You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to the Historical Yarns Podcast, the show where we talk about knitting from the past and bring it into the present. Welcome to episode three of season one of the Historical Yarns Podcast. I'm Rachel Rudden. And I'm Heather Boyd. And today we're talking about the Estonian tradition of lace knitting. So in episodes one and two, we talked about Shetland knitting. So feel free to go back and grab those episodes if you missed them. And then now we are going to start talking about Estonian lace, which is a little bit different. It comes from a different area of Europe and it's got some really cool techniques. So this first part, we're going to talk about geography, the early development, the materials that they use and things like that. And then there'll be a second part that talks about the specific knitting stitches and the construction and all of that type of stuff. So uh, jumping right into it, geography wise, Estonia, of course, is where Estonian lace knitting comes from. It is located in far northern Europe and you've got Finland to the north and the Baltic Sea and Sweden to the west. Latvia to the south and Russia to the east. So that's your sort of arrangement of countries around it. It's a pretty small country. You may have to pull out a globe. Yeah, or like if, it's <laughs> Does way... anyone still own a globe? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I... Well, a map. Google map it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, go find you a map on one of those millions of devices you probably have around you right now. Um, but yeah, it's way, it's way up there. If you've got where Finland is in your head right now, then mm-hmm. it's just a little bit south of that. And that'll kind of place it for you. I'm starting to see a pattern here in these knitting oh. uh, cultures. Uh-huh. Cold places? <laughs> Cold places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cold, isolated places, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Estonia has an interesting history, like a lot of those like Eastern European countries. They have been ruled by many different... Larger countries. Larger countries over the years. Yeah, Germany had its hands in there. Denmark, Sweden, Poland, and of course, most recently, Russia. So Estonia is definitely a mix of influences from all these different cultures but currently they are an independent nation and they are part of the eu and from what i understand you can take some really awesome cruises up in that area and get off of your cruise boat and go see beautiful old architecture Mm -hmm. and apparently knitted shawls because i guess they're all over there which is really cool i had a friend who did that for her honeymoon she (laughs) did that yeah like a baltic sea cruise yeah you know what she went to estonia Mm -hmm. and she she was so pleased to report to me (laughs) She was like, there's so many knitted things there. And I was like, yeah. Did you buy any? She was like, no. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Why didn't you buy me anything on your honeymoon? So funny. Yeah, I was watching a video and the funniest part of it was the instructor was saying how she goes on these uh, Baltic cruises and you get off in Estonia and you see all these beautiful shawls in the market. And she's like, and just go ahead and buy one. Because the alternative is spending a year or more knitting your own. So... Get one to knit now That's or to wear plan. now. That's my plan. When we finally go on our knitting tour of the world, Rachel, which uh-huh. uh, that's going to be a future podcast, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, Got it. <laughs> when we actually we take when we have this? the money to actually go to all of these yeah, places sure. and my children are older, <laughs> then we will we will make a podcast about it. Yeah. But when we finally do that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to buy, buy an example of the traditional knitting from every place we go. Yeah. Perfect. Because as we've seen, I have a hard time finishing things. Yeah, finishing is, it's rough. (laughs) I hear you. 
Oh man, All I do right. have the yarn for it though. <laughs> for for um, oh, do you for, for an, an Estonian, Estonian shawl? shawl? <laughs> yeah. I well, I okay. So technically, I have knit one Estonian shawl, kind of. I mean, my wedding shawl was all Estonian techniques uh-huh. anyway. So I guess you can call that an Estonian yeah. shawl, right? Even though it wasn't really like the traditional shape or anything uh, like that. Yeah, but you totally get credit. There's for noops that one. all over that thing, oh, yeah. and we will tell you all about noops <laughs> in a little bit. <laughs> but they are unique to Estonian knitting. They are very unique. All right. So Hapsalu is a city on the Estonian coast. And that is kind of where the tradition of the the shawls really started. And that's why you see Hapsalu shawls as kind of like a catch-all for all of the shawls in that area. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Hap shawls from Shetland. Yeah, I know. Although, super confusing, right? Yeah, very yeah. like weird coincidence It is there with the super naming. weird. But Hapsalu is spelled H-A-A-P-S-A-L-U. Mm-hmm. So, and Hap is H-A-P. So you can see the difference there. But anyway, yeah, it started in Hapsalu and... It was a vacation spot for wealthy Russians, Germans, Swedes, you know, any Northern Europeans that were looking to take a vacation. Apparently they have some killer mud baths there, or they did. I'm not sure if they still do. Why don't we all just move to Estonia? I know, right? Like mud bath sounds amazing. I hope it's warm though. I don't want it to be a cold mud bath. That would suck. That's why you have the shawls. Oh, that's true. Oh my god, <laughs> <You're> terrible, <laughs> awful. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Enough. Yeah. No, anyway, we're so that. silly. So yeah, they'd go there for the mud baths, and then the shawl knitting tradition kind of became a cottage industry, selling their their beautiful shawls to the the rich Europeans that were coming for a visit. So that's where it came from. They were, of course, extremely popular by the end of the nineteenth century. That was like the the height of shawl wearing time. And the fine lace shawls were were sold to all these people on vacation, and it really started like spreading across mm-hmm. Europe to some extent. So, and from what I understand, like when they would get together to knit shawls, it was almost like a quilting bee. Yeah. Like everyone together working on their mm-hmm. shawls together, doing all of the finishing, blocking all of that stuff as a group. Which mm-hmm. I feel like that just adds to the whole experience Mm -hmm. right and makes it such a community endeavor yeah I think that's why I'm so interested in these these subjects because I love that like community of women coming together and doing something like this together Mm -hmm. and making a living off of it and learning from each other it's just very it's very cool so Mm -hmm. I love that so as far as like what kind of fiber they were using sheep are not really indigenous to Estonia so they were um, importing it already spun, of course, from mills. Earlier days, it would come from Russia. And then also they would get some from Australia or New Zealand. So I think it mostly came from Russia while the Soviet Union was still producing a lot of yarn. And then later on, and I think this is a lot later, like well into the 20th century, it started, they started getting like Merino and such from Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And because it's still an industry today, like you can still go to Estonia and buy an Estonian lace shawl at the markets and stuff there. Mm -hmm. They're still doing their thing over there as far as I know. So it's still a thriving-ish industry for the tourists anyway, which is neat. And then it was typical to it just to come undyed and like naturally colored wool. And then they would bleach it and do all the stuff to make it whatever color was popular at the moment, usually white. Mm-hmm. So that's the, uh, the yarn that they would use. As far as needles, they apparently were very particular about needles in Estonia. They did not like metal. They were not interested in working with metal needles mm-hmm. at all. They almost always used straight, like hardwood needles, like a 
I think I saw, I read like lilac was mm-hmm. one type of hardwood and birch maybe. Mm-hmm. And they um, made their own. And they made them themselves and they would even like smooth them with the, like the wool itself because wool has so much lanolin in it. Mm-hmm. They could use that to, to smooth out the needles. So they have pretty rounded points uh, rather than the super sharp points that you would see on other metal or wood needles. So that was their, their preferred material as far as needles go. And also I thought this was really interesting. You can buy all kinds of shawls and knitted stuff when you're there, but you can't buy needles anywhere. And Mm. it's because they have their favorite needles and they, they treasure them. Mm -hmm. And it's not the kind of thing where they're buying them all that often. I can't imagine they're still making them. Or have a bunch of different sets or anything like that. Yeah. Not like, I mean, I like probably have four sets of needles at home right now, which Mm -hmm. makes me feel a little bit ridiculous. Don't be embarrassed. (laughs) I'm sure I have the same number. Yeah. Sorry. We don't need to talk about it. (laughs) I may have put multiple sets in the same case so that my husband won't see how many needle sets I have. I just hide them all away in boxes not visible <laughs> they're not there actually half of them are in projects which is a different problem uh, entirely yeah. well that's why you have so many in the first place right? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yep well not these ladies they had their treasured sets of needles and it sounds like they're kind of like a one project on the needles at a time kind mm-hmm. of kind of people which is definitely not my style but I kind of no, wish it was sometimes. I do too. Maybe that yeah. way we'd actually finish stuff, Rachel. Maybe, right? But you know, they, they still don't, even though circular needles are a thing now, they still, like they still stick to their straight ones yeah. from what I've read. So, yeah, that's yeah. what they like. I mean, don't mess with a good thing. Right? Yeah, right. So the other thing I, I learned about Estonian knitters, which I thought was really awesome, is that they were like, they were marketers. They were back in the day before marketing was a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So in the 1930s, they created a stitch for Greta Garbo, essentially. They created a flower-shaped stitch made out of noops and made her a shawl just to get her to wear it to like get some oh, some fame you know yeah, that's smart <laughs> yeah and they did the same for the crown prince of sweden when he was visiting i don't know why they made the prince a shawl maybe it was like a receiving yeah, thing or something probably, like that yeah gift. Um, yeah but um they made him a shawl as well in 1932 so they were definitely trying to get their their work into the hands of people that are internationally known so that they could become more famous I guess and mm-hmm. it seems to have worked because like everybody has heard of you know Hapslu shawls and Estonian lace knitting so and people who aren't even knitters buy them when they go visit so mm-hmm. I think that's really neat. Well it's something that when you see it you know that it's really special you mm-hmm. know I mean it's not something you would necessarily see everywhere it looks like an heirloom. Mm-hmm. Yeah it really does and given that it's a still remains a popular um, place to go visit the the shawls get sold to tourists from all over the world at this mm-hmm. point. So they really have achieved a, a bit of fame in the in the accessory world mm-hmm. anyway, which I Not think to is mention really the specific knitting vacations that you can yeah. go on, you know, yeah, to like there. The, like those cruises the, we're going to yeah, take, yeah, right? <laughs> specifically a knitting, knitting-centered yeah, cruise. It's but just, I want to like sit down with one of those ladies and have them like teach me some techniques or something you know yeah I feel like there's a lot to learn from that much heritage and history definitely well that's how they passed everything down Mm -hmm. right I mean just person to person yeah I mean it was like the kind of thing you just learned when you were a kid standing there probably a toddler even like you had needles in your hands and you learned Mm -hmm. early very early so yeah all right well that is it for the history of the Hapslu shawls and Estonian lace knitting 
We're going to take a short break and then we will be back to talk about the next section of the Zetlin shawl. Welcome back to episode three. In this segment, we are going to be talking about the next couple sections of the shawl pattern. And that is the Zetlin shawl, Z-E-T-L-A-N-D. You can search for that on Ravelry and you'd be able to find it there. And if you are just joining us, you might want to listen back to the first couple episodes where we have broken down the first part of the um, pattern for you there. So check that out and then come on back in. Last time we talked about how we had a center out construction and now we are at the point where we are splitting to the two sides. And what I want to talk about today is sections two and three of the pattern are basically constructing the, the wings, if you want to call them that, of the shawl. So this is where we go from knitting in the round to knitting mm-hmm. flat. Exactly. So and it's not as hard as it sounds. Don't be, no. don't be afraid of it. It's <laughs> one of those things you're going to do and you're like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Like, I think the biggest thing you have to worry about when you go from round to flat is making sure you don't reverse the the right and wrong side of your work by accident. Mm-hmm. That would be the biggest concern. And actually with the center panel, it's not quite reversible, but it is that stitch pattern is built on a garter stitch foundation. So it does kind of look the same on front and back. Mm-hmm. So if you are worried that you are going to get confused as to which is which when you're doing this switch from flat or from circular to flat, you might want to just stick a locking stitch marker on the front side of it so that you always know that's always your marker of this is the front mm-hmm. um, and you the don't. The right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the right side. And also there's lines of down the, like an, making an X on it too on the right side, which you wouldn't see on the wrong side. So that's another way to, to keep track of which mm-hmm. side you're on. Mm-hmm. That's all that section two is, is basically getting you from in the round to flat. And then it's a very short section, but that that will get your wings separated. So how do you store the stitches for the second side when you're not working on them? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So there, what I have recommended in the materials is that you have a second needle um, in the same size that you're working with. And you can just store those stitches right on that needle and they'll be ready to go for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even just use a separate cord. If you mm-hmm. have an interchangeable set, you yep. could put the tip... Your, one of your needle tips on a, on an, on on a, a separate spare cord, cord, a spare cord mm-hmm. and just thread it through and then take the needle tip yep. off and put stoppers on, right? Yeah. In fact, I couldn't even find my stoppers for my interchangeable cord. So I actually took those um, cool little Cocoa Knits foam stopper things. Oh, Have you seen those? We'll, no. we'll link to them in the show notes, but they're really cool. They're um, meant for for putting on circular needles. You like slide them on the needle and then all the way onto the oh, cord. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. They're yeah, they're basically yeah, yeah, just yeah. pieces of foam, but yeah. they are so darn handy. And they stay on. Mm-hmm. And I just popped them right onto the end and I took the needle off and they the the metal connector is enough to keep them from falling off ah, and it worked as a stopper that's so, so smart. if you lost that one set of stoppers that they give you with your mm-hmm, interchangeable mm-hmm, set mm-hmm. or this if you happens. or it's on a different thing that might be you know in your UFO pile, mm-hmm. <laughs> never to be finished. <laughs> you know how things go. <laughs> yep. um, anyway, and you can also just use waste yarn too. So mm-hmm. if you're not using interchangeables or you don't have a spare cord around, you could just take use some waste yarn and, and then tie and just, it in a circle. Yep. Just thread it right on using a darning needle and, and tie it there. But the easiest way I found was definitely to have a cord or a second needle because then, you know, once you secure those ends and get them out of your way, mm-hmm. there's no more picking up of stitches at all. Like yeah. it's just ready to go for you. So that is what I would recommend for that. 
And then after you get the two sides separated, you're going to just start on your your stitches that make up the two wings. And I did write down the names of the stitches because the one is just delightful. So there's a center panel on it that you can see in the picture. And it's called the print of the wave stitch. And mm-hmm. I just love that so much. It's That's a very just, traditional stitch. It too. is. It's super traditional. And I like I didn't mess with it at all. The chart, the stitch pattern, everything. I really pulled it right from the stitch dictionary that I was using, Ooh, which I can't remember. What is the name of it? The information is in the pattern because I want to make sure and give credit to the to where these stitch patterns are coming from. I think it's really important to like link back to where you get this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will link to the stitch dictionary that I used both in the show notes and it's in the pattern too. But yeah, it's just like a, a book with all the traditional Shetland stitches in it. And I, when I have to do increasing and decrease, decreasing, of course, I'm, I'm messing with the stitch pattern to get the increases and decreases to work to also construct the shawl in the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. But because this is a center panel, like... It's just the stitch, just as if it would have been knitted 100 years ago, which mm-hmm. I love that like traditional connection. So it's cool. Anyway, it yes. It really so does look like waves. It does. Yeah. There's separations in between each because I wanted it to have that kind of sampler look. So, mm-hmm. Well, you're also bringing back the garter stitch from mm-hmm. the center that yeah. is, you know, echoing, repeating that and echoing it back in the sides is really Oh, brings yeah. it all together. Yeah, the um I think we discussed in our history part the the Shetland stitches, they a lot of them are built on the garter stitch foundation, mm-hmm. but then there were some newer stitches that were built on a stockinette foundation. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, I've got a mix of them going on here. The one for the middle is garter stitch and then the wing stitches are on a stockinette foundation. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit of both. You know, bringing in both traditional, modern, what was probably way modern to them back then. Just put it both into the shawl. So it's fun. On the sides of the panel down the center are just the leaf, leaf stitch, which is exactly as it sounds. It looks like a leaf. It's very pretty. And that's on a stockingette background, too. (laughs) It is. Yep. Yeah, both of them are. Um, It's a really, like puffy textury stitch when you're knitting it the Mm -hmm. leaf stitches so Mm -hmm. expect to see like a lot of almost puckering in your fabric which will then block out of course but depending on how strongly you want to block it you can leave some of that texture in there too Mm -hmm. if you like the look of it i think it looks really neat it almost looks like smocking kind of it's it's fun how it adds that texture to it yeah and yeah don't let it concern you though because it's just from the increasing and decreasing that Mm -hmm. you do and it leaves but it's in a very regular way so it looks almost quilted yeah yeah and it relaxes with blocking um, depending on how aggressively you choose to block it. I also wanted to mention too that because I I brought the garter in um, to separate the sections and I kind of did this very specifically because I love two color shawls. Mm-hmm. And while I did design this in one color just because I wanted to maintain that like sort of traditional look, um, I think this would look amazing in two colors. And what I would suggest doing if somebody wanted to do two colors is all the stuff that's garter and on a gartery foundation, do that in one color. And then all the stuff that's on a stockinette foundation, do that in a contrast color. And I think that that mm-hmm. would look really cool. And the way that that would work out then is that you'd have a center section in one color and then stripes of, of mm-hmm. that same color in between the other exactly. panels. With, yeah. Because we've got these garter stripe, mm-hmm. garter stitch stripes here. Yep. Yeah, I I definitely designed it with that option in mind. And mm-hmm. maybe one of these days I'll, I'll knit one in two colors mm-hmm. too. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Or even in just one color, those garter stitches are a nice rest. Right? Oh, they <laughs> like are. <if> you're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is just single sided lace, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not. Um, yeah. 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 No, I wasn't going to go into what, what is it? It's um when you pattern on both sides, it's knitted lace or lace knitting yeah. oh man i can never remember which one is which. it's hard is what it is i know it is real hard 
<laughs> anyway, yeah. So I think that that is all you need to know about sections two and three. You're just going to be kind of cruising through there. It's a little bit of a slog sometimes, not going to lie. Like you just kind of got to power through and know you've got those garter rest rows coming up that you can, you know, take a break from the, the lace a little bit. But the overall effect is beautiful, though, so don't give up. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And what did you say? If people have extra yarn, is this the place where they would be adding oh, yeah. more length? Yep. So if you want a more generously sized shawl, then feel free to do extra repeats here. You can do as many as you want, really. Mm-hmm. It would get incredibly long. Mm-hmm. Obviously, each repeat is going to add, oh gosh, probably what, four, in- five inches mm-hmm. of length. So just keep that in mind when you're deciding to add extra. So can you repeat just the section between the garter bands, like mm-hmm. the whole section, or could you repeat just a portion of that? Um, I would do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You so could... rather than adding one like leaf lace repeat mm-hmm. to each section, it'd be better than to just add a whole, a whole second. separate yeah. section onto the end of what you're knitting. Because that way you stay the same in the same spot with your print of the wave yes. um, and your leaf pattern. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're welcome to do whatever you want, obviously. But if you start changing up the number of rows within the repeat, you might end up having to do some math to figure out the Mm -hmm. increases and decreases. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you follow the repeats the way I wrote them and just do more of them, then you you don't have to do any math. Your stitch count won't change or anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would be my recommendation for making it longer. It won't be wider, but it will be longer for Mm -hmm. sure. All right. So that is our recap of sections two and three of the shawl. If you haven't grabbed a copy yet, it's the Zetland Shawl. You can find that on Ravelry, Z-E-T-L-A-N-D. And then next week, we're going to go on to the next section in the shawl, which is section four. So tune back in for that. Thanks for listening. And And happy happy knitting. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Ravelry and on all the socials as Rachel Unraveled. And you can find Heather on Ravelry as HeatherBoyd84. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you found it. And we'll see you next time. Happy knitting! This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.